0: Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to episode number 108 of Martha Runs the World. There are a lot of really amazing and exceptional runners out there. When I think of the superstars of runners, I think of Greta Waits, Steve Prefontaine, Bill Rogers, Giannis Chorus, Catherine Switzer, and a lot more. I think of the people who did things that no one had, has ever done before, that attempted records that no one ever set, that pushed boundaries farther than anyone had ever done. Top of that list is someone who I think of as just almost superhuman is terry fox if you're a canadian you already know who he is every canadian knows the name terry fox in canada he is known from coast to coast from the border of the u.s up to the north pole he is known terry fox has statues all over there are streets named streets named after him there's a mountain named after terry fox He's their biggest superhero. He's their biggest superstar. Yeah, he's bigger than Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky thinks of him as a superstar. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Terry Fox's life if you aren't familiar with him. If you're a Canadian, you already know it, but maybe I'll tell you something that you don't know. And if you're not from Canada, then you'll learn something and about this great hero and how courageous he was and you will be inspired. At least I hope you will. When I did my research in this episode, I learned so much. I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't know everything. And I was so surprised and inspired by what he did. And it it was pretty remarkable. Terry Stanley Fox was born July 28, 1958, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is a province in Canada. Roland and Betty Fox had four children, three boys and a daughter, Fred, Terry, Daryl, and Judith. In 1966, the family moved to British Columbia, where they settled into Port Coquitlam. I hope I pronounced that right. I really do. I practiced it. Even early, though, Terry was very competitive and loved sports. He played soccer, rugby, and baseball, but his real love was for basketball. He wanted more than anything to be a basketball player, even though he was only five feet tall. And he wasn't very good at all. The coach suggested that he was better suited for distance running, but Terry didn't want to run at all. He hated running, and he wanted to play basketball. The workouts were so hard, and they left him out of breath every time. But the one part that he loved was when it was over, and the coach said, well done, at the end. He loved the sports more than homework, which, unfortunately, didn't make his mother very happy. One day, Fox was driving to the family home on November twelfth, 1976, and got distracted watching road work. When his vehicle crashed into the back of a pickup his car was totaled, and his right knee was sore. Later in December, he felt pain in that knee, but ignored it. By March 77, the pain intensified so much that he had to go to the hospital where he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, a form of cancer that can start in the knee. Now, there's no proven connection that the accident had anything to do with it, but Terry believed it did. He was told that his knee had to be amputated and they would need chemotherapy. He was also told he would have a 50% chance of survival. Now, two years earlier, that survival rate was only 15%. The advancements in science were really, really great and booming, so at least he had that much of a survival rate. Now, osteosarcoma is a type of bone cancer that typically starts in the leg bones, mostly in teens and young adults. Advancements—I'm advancements, sorry about that—advancements in medicine have changed since Terry Fox's day. Today, it would involve chemotherapy, surgery, and perhaps radiation. It may not involve the type of amputation that it did back then. It's a Way different world now. It's been a few decades, and there's a lot of improvement in medicine and science. It's still not clear what causes osteosarcoma. This is from the Mayo Clinic website. Osteosarcoma begins when a healthy bone cell develops changes in its DNA. A cell's DNA contains the instructions that tell, it, that tell a cell what to do. The changes tell the cell to start making new bone when it isn't needed, The result is a mass, a tumor, of poorly formed bone cells that can invade and destroy healthy body tissue. Cells can break away and spread, metastasize throughout the body. There will be a link on that on the website. After the amputation of his right leg, Terry was walking within three weeks. They were shocked that it was that soon. He was as brave as any young person could be in that situation. He played golf with his father and spent 16 months in chemotherapy, which was really, really harsh. And even though it was difficult to watch others suffer and fall to cancer, so while he was trying getting better, he saw a lot of his friends and mates that he made of falling and not surviving. In 1977, Rick Hansen, working with the Canadian Wheelchair Wheelchair Sports Association, invited Fox to try out for his wheelchair basketball team. Now, even while he was going through chemo, Fox's energy impressed Hansen. Less than two months after learning to play, Fox was named a member of the team for the national championship in Edmonton. If you've ever seen the documentary Murder Ball, then you know Canada takes its Wheelchair Basketball very seriously. The documentary is about wheelchair basketball and the rivalry between the American and Canadian teams. It's intense, and those two teams go at it very physically. It's a great documentary. It's a lot of fun to watch. Fox was named an All-Star from the North American Wheelchair Basketball Association in 1980. Rick Hansen was just as driven as Fox. Rick was thrown from a pickup truck and suffered a spinal injury as a teenager. He later competed in the 1980 and 1984 Paralympics, winning three gold, two silver, and one bronze. He embarked on his Man in Motion World Tour in March of 1985, leaving Vancouver, British Columbia, traveling through 34 countries and four continents in his wheelchair and totaling 40,075 kilometers. The night before his surgery, Terry Fox had been given an article about Dick Trom, Trom, I think it is, the first amputee to complete the New York City Marathon. The article inspired him. and He embarked on a 14-month training program, telling his family he planned to compete in a marathon himself. Terry trained for 15 months, running 3,159 miles, running until his stump was raw and bleeding, running every day for 101 days until he could run 23 miles a day. He took one day off at Christmas, only because his mother asked him. Once, just before Christmas, when he had run only a half mile, the bottom half of his artificial leg snapped in two pieces and Terry crashed to the pavement. He picked up the two parts, tucked them under his arm, stuck out his thumb and hitchhiked home. There he clamped the two parts together and ran another five miles. And this was in way before there were really nice prosthetic legs. They didn't have the fancy legs that the runners use that they they can run with. This was really, really uncomfortable and it was very painful to run the miles with. So, he was having a hard time but he was determined to do this no matter what he wasn't going to stop when Terry told his mother Betty he intended to run across Canada in her no-nonsense way she told him he was crazy he said he was going to run no matter what she thought then Betty told her husband Raleigh and he said knowing his son so well simply said when (laughs) his parents were a big influence on him obviously. When Terry approached the Canadian Cancer Society about his run, its administrators were skeptical about his success. They doubted he could raise $1 million and, as a test of his sincerity, told him to earn some seed money and find some corporate sponsors. They believed they'd never hear from him again. But Terry persevered, earning sponsors and the promise of promotion from the Cancer Society. On April 12, 1980, he dipped his artificial leg in the murky waters of St. John's Harbor and set off on the greatest adventure of his life. I loved it, Terry said. I enjoyed myself so much, and that was what other people couldn't realize. They thought I was going through a nightmare running all day long. People thought I was going through hell. Maybe I was, partly. But still, I was doing what I wanted, and a dream was coming true. And that, above everything else made it all worthwhile to me. Even though it was so difficult, there's not another thing in the world I would have rather been doing. I I got satisfaction out of doing things that were difficult. It was an incredible feeling. The pain was there, but the pain didn't matter. That's all a lot of people could see. They couldn't see the good that I was getting out of it myself. And the people of Canada were latching onto Terry's dream. They wept as he ran by, fists clenched, eyes focused on the road ahead, his awkward double step and hop, sounding down the highway, the set of his jaw, unflinching, without compromise, the look of courage. As a woman in Toronto, Canada's largest city, said, he makes you believe in the human race again. And the people of of Canada did watch. Everybody in Canada came out to watch him. It was like the entire country stopped to watch Terry Fox. He was a phenom for the country. He made the whole country come together as a whole. There hadn't been anything like that in the U.S. since the lunar landing, and they had the big parade for them in, in the 60s. And Canada had never had that, so this was their coming together. This was their moment of the country uniting. One day in southern Ontario, they collected $20,000 on the highway. A man in Hamilton sat in a vat of banana lemon custard and raised $912 for the Marathon of Hope. Okay, that that that's very Canadian. <laughs> in Gravenhurst, the heart of Ontario's cottage country, with a population of 8,000, they raised more than $14,000. A musician, apparently without cash, handed Terry his $500 guitar. Throughout his run, and even in the months before, Terry neglected his medical appointments. No one could force him to see a doctor for a checkup. He said he didn't believe the cancer would come back, and he really believed that. And he'd missed the appointments for x-rays at the clinic. And even when he was shivering and said he wasn't cold, he he just didn't go. For 3,339 miles from St. John's, Newfoundland, he'd run through six provinces and was two-thirds of the way home. He'd run close to a marathon a day for 143 days. It was an extraordinary feat for an amputee. Terry's left leg was strong. His right was a stump fitted with the artificial limb made of fiberglass and steel. He was twenty-two. He had curly hair, he was sunburned, he was strong and willful and stubborn. Terry believed that he had won his fight against cancer and he wanted to raise the money to fight the disease. He changed people's attitudes. This was probably the most important thing. He changed people's attitudes towards the disabled. He showed that while cancer had claimed his leg, his spirit was unbreakable. His marathon of hope had started in a probable dream. Two friends, one to drive the van, one to run, a ribbon of highway, and the sturdy belief that they could perform a miracle. He ran through ice storms and summer heat against bitter winds of such velocity he couldn't move through fishing village in Canada's biggest cities. Though he shunned the notion himself, people were calling him a hero, and indeed he was. He still saw, saw himself as a simple Terry Fox from British Columbia, average in everything, but still determined to finish his race. But then, 18 miles from Thunder Bay at the head of Lake Superior, the dull, blunt pain had not stopped, and he was tired. And he could not go go long anymore, and he climbed wearily into the van and asked his friend and driver, Doug Allward, who had been there the whole time for him, to take him to the hospital. Doctors in Thunder Bay confirmed that the cancer had spread from his legs to his lungs. He phoned his parents, who caught the first plane to Thunder Bay, Terry was so weak when he tried to walk across the street to a car to get a bite to eat outside of the hospital that he collapsed. The day before, I'd run 26 miles and now I couldn't even walk across the street, he said. His mother cried and his father was sad but hardened as Terry spoke to reporters. Well, you know, I had primary cancer in my knee three and a half years ago, and now the cancer is in my lungs, and I have to go home. His voice broke as he spoke, but he continued softly. And have some more x-rays or maybe an operation that will involve opening my chest or more drugs. I'll do everything I can. I'm going to do my best. I'll promise. I'll fight. I won't give up. His father, Raleigh, was overheard to say, I think it's unfair, very unfair. I don't feel this is unfair, Terry told him. That's the thing about cancer. I'm not the only one. It happens all the time to other people. I'm not special. This just intensifies what I did. It gives it more meaning. It'll inspire more people. I could have sat on my rear end. I could have forgotten what I'd seen in the hospital, but I didn't. How many people do something they really believe in? I just wish people would realize that anything's possible if you try, Dreams are made if people try. When I started this run, I said that if we all gave $1, we'd have $22 million for cancer research. And I don't care, man. There's no reason that isn't possible. No reason. I'd like to see everybody go kind of wild, inspired with the fundraising. We'll be right back. For the next 12 months, Terry battled the disease. Some days the pain was nightmarish. Some days he felt well enough to go out with Rick Hansen and his friends. As he fought for his life, he was honored with awards. He was the youngest Companion of the Order of Canada, the nation's top civilian honor. He was named Newsmaker of the Year by the Canadian press. He won the Lou Marsh Trophy for Outstanding Athletic Achievement. His portrait was hung in the Sports Hall of Fame and letters of encouragement came from around the world. And most importantly, donations to his Marathon of Hope reached $23.4 million. The Guinness Book of Records named him Top Fundraiser. A Mountain was named after him in British Columbia. Jerry died, his family beside him, on June 28, 1981, one month short of his 23rd birthday. There is a new book out, last year, oops, sorry about that, that I just finished reading. It has all kinds of people from from British Columbia who talk about their memories of Terry Fox, some very famous people and some not so famous people. And it's really worthwhile and all the proceeds support the Terry Fox Foundation, and the Terry Fox Foundation is responsible for raising over 700 million dollars for cancer research. It's an incredible um organization they have the terry fox run every september and i'm going to be doing that every year in september from now on Oops, sorry so sorry uh that is definitely going to be something that i will be doing every single year um considering that i lost a one a, a good friend last year uh to cancer so there is all kinds of people who who wrote something in this book the people and they're all canadians uh the people who wrote it here you may have heard of some of them. You may have not. Let's see. Uh, Steve Nash, Brett Hart, Craig Jarvis, Rick, Rick Hansen, Nadine Carone, Wayne Gretzky, Daryl Sittler, Donna Ball, Doug Allward, Tom Cochrane, Bobby Orr, Michael Buble, and all kinds of other Canadians write in this book, and it's really terrific. Um, Bobby Orr writes this about meeting terry fox i once read that it took him about 20 minutes of running each of those 143 days before he was able to accept the pain that came along with the activity and then he would simply bear down and run yet another marathon yes hero is the right word for terry fox we take a lot for granted the everyday act of getting up in the morning pulling on our socks and slipping into a pair of shoes is no big deal for most people We forget how fortunate we are in many respects. Terry's running shone a timely spotlight on how our needs may differ from others and on those people who find many of the mundane tasks of living a very big deal indeed. And Daryl Sittler, who used to play for the, who was a big, big player in the Maple Leafs. He said this about, about Terry. In my home, I have a copy of Ken Damby's famous painting depicting Terry and me in Nathan Phillips Square. Every day, I pass it and think, okay, how do I want to live this day, and what can I possibly do to make a difference? Ken Otenbright is a managing principal of the New York office of the Steichman Elliott, of Steichman Elliott a Canadian law firm. He also is the founder of an organizer of the annual Terry Fox Run in New York City. He writes here, During the process of moving the run to Central Park, I met with the famous organizer Fred LeBeau, and you all know who he is, who was the chairman of the New York Roadrunners Club and founder of the New York City Marathon. He knew some of Terry's story and wanted to learn more about the one who started this all, meaning that Terry pioneered the idea of raising money for a cause by running, walking, biking, and so on. Fred saw Terry's run as a groundbreaking idea and considered him to be a visionary trailblazer. Terry was one of the first to actually raise funds through racing. So not only did he do this incredibly incredible run and show people that, yes, just because you may not have both legs you may have an artificial leg maybe an amputee you may have differences you can still run but you can also help out others by doing this run he made this a thing this was never a thing before terry and the great one wayne gretzky and if you know hockey you know who the great one is but if you're a runner you may not know hockey This is what Wayne Gretzky said about Terry Fox. There are certain people who are put on this earth for a reason, and Terry was one of those people. He pushes us to think outside the box, to open our eyes, to get involved, even if we haven't been touched by cancer ourselves. He raised incredible awareness and put cancer research in the forefront of our minds, and he still does today. Thanks to Terry's efforts and the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been raised in his honor, We have new medications and better treatments. Having lost both my mom and sister-in-law to cancer, I am so grateful for him and everything he's accomplished. There are no words that can do him justice. No award or monument in Canada that is big enough or good enough to bear his name. Someday they'll find a cure for cancer, and we'll be able to thank Terry Fox for leading the way. And And that's how big Terry Fox is for Canadians. And that's how big we runners should think of Terry Fox. He led the way. He led the way for runners. He led the way for all of us. And we need to be as brave and as strong as Terry Fox. And when I'm feeling sorry for myself, when my hip is particularly painful, I have to start thinking about this. And I have to start thinking about the incredible efforts and the incredible sacrifice and and courage and determination that Terry Fox went through all those thousands of miles. And I hope you do too. If you're going through a tough time, I'm saying don't injure yourself on purpose, but if something is hard and you don't think you can finish it, take the courage of Terry Fox and finish it. And I want to finish this episode up, conclude this episode up with with uh, a poem. First, for all the links, the on this episode you can check out martharunstheworld.com for all the links as usual and if you want to email me you can at martharunstheworld at gmail.com and i'm going to finish up conclude this episode with a poem from margaret atwood another canadian called the longest mile The last mile is the longest mile. Tis then we weaken. We lose the strength to run the race. We doubt hope's beacon. Shall we turn back from this dark road? Foot sore and weary. When deep despair has drained our faith. And all seems dreary. Shall we give up the narrow path. The plodding byway. Choose swift transport and false delight. Destructions highway. Shall enemies erase our life our message bury, and shall they quench in war and strife the torch we carry? Take heart, O dusty travelers, though you may falter, though you may be felled along the way, you'll reach the altar. Race on, race on, through eyes grow dim, and faint the chorus. God gives us nature's green applause, such will restore us. For in the effort is the goal, tis thus we're treasured. He knows us by our pilgrim soul, tis thus we're measured.